Hello and welcome back to Screen of Consciousness, the podcast that, you know, everyone loves around the world, right? And we've had a break for a long time, but we are back. Obviously, we're still getting lots of listens from our international audience. And so thank you so much for supporting us uh, in our kind of off period. We had to have a break for multiple reasons. Lots of things have been happening in our lives, haven't they, Dimitri? I think maybe more on yours than mine, but yes. <laughs> uh, sometimes you're a man of few words, Dimitri, and sometimes you're not a man of few words. That's all I'm going to say about that. And this whole podcast, ah. of course, is going to be us talking about No Time to Die. We thought we'd have a very special episode about James Bond's newest adventure, if you can call it that, in No Time to Die, uh, which, of course... And possibly latest and last. Yes, well... Outing. I would like just to say to everyone listening that there will be 100% spoilers in this podcast, because Dimitri and I, we're not going to hold back on this now, are we? No, but I I think think if you care about James Bond, you probably have seen it, or at least you know how it ends, (laughs) even if you haven't. Uh, So, yes, obviously we will talk about everything, so watch the film first. And come back to us if you haven't done so already. Yeah, or don't waste your money watching the film and just listen to this podcast. Because ultimately, well, you probably won't need to watch the film if you listen to this podcast, because we're going to ruin well, it anyway. Well, I think Jonathan's previewing where he stands on... Well, oh, um, whoops, spoilers. <laughs> I wasn't meant to give away my opinion, yeah. <laughs> we have talked because there is a lot to say, and we will try to keep this somewhat organized and... Um, Yes. have a nice flow um uh, it will be a challenge i think because we are bursting with emotion also yes. to kind of keep our our creative energy and th- thrust so to speak jonathan and i have actually not discussed this film offline we have not spoken about it we waited for this podcast i think from a couple of exchanged gifts and uh, stickers <laughs> on telegram <laughs> i can gauge jonathan's reaction but jonathan has has very gallantly uh, promised to give me a a bit of space here in the beginning. Uh, I know he's bursting with things he wants to say. Yes. I will present my case. Yes, but uh, I just, before you do, sorry, before you do, cut you off here. I'd just like to say, if you all remember, all of you who listened to our James Bond podcast before, we did a whole episode about James Bond. And as as anyone, any, all of our listeners will know, obviously I'm a long time James Bond fan and Dimitri isn't. So that's where we thought Dimitri could start off was saying his feelings from a you know point of view of casual viewer of James Bond who's not a massive fan. Yes, I would even say maybe I'm I'm to put it mildly a casual fan. I mean, I do enjoy the films and certainly I've enjoyed watching them with you and and some of uh, the films I, I really like quite a lot on their own uh, and and then you know everyone likes I guess James Bond because of the nice clothes and the nice cars and the beautiful women especially in the films that have them. Um, for this film I had the privilege of watching it with a good friend, Maria, who I hope will listen to this, um, who is a very casual Bond viewer, more so than I am. And uh, uh, we saw it here in, in Russia, in St. Petersburg, on, on release date, actually. We found a viewing time in English, because in Russia films are usually dubbed, but there is now a growing movement of seeing films in the original language, with subtitles, Mm -hmm. and I felt that James Bond was one film that it would just be too silly to watch in Russian. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, (laughs) we watched it in the original, and I will come back to that point, because I have some (laughs) things to say about... I want to hear um, what you think about that, yeah. (laughs) ...portrayal of certain (laughs) nationalities and accents. Uh, But I felt, and I think this is not for the first time 
in the Daniel Craig Bond films that it's essentially just not a Bond film. And I think it's, it's a drama, thriller. At times I think it was very thrilling. I was, I mean, I'm easily spooked, Jonathan will know, and, and so will everyone who has ever seen a horror film with me. I scare easily in a cinema especially. I mean, I was literally on the edge of my seat. There was a couple of moments of jump, um, if not jump scares, and certainly that give, give you a jump. I think um, there was some very fine dramatic acting from Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he he really gave a, you know a, a, I think a very strong performance. Certainly, some have argued, and I can see that maybe the best performance by an actor playing James Bond, speaking in in dramatic terms, whether it's a good Bond, that's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a love story, which I thought was very lame. Uh, I think <laughs> always using a child in peril is just a very, very simple and well, tedious trick. Was the child and in I peril, I would argue. But anyway, sorry to interrupt you there. Excuse me? I said, was the child even in peril, I would argue with you. But I'm not... That's allowed, an I interesting shouldn't really point. be speaking and right now. But anyway. <laughs> but yes, I, I will say also, I mean, I think... I really think this film did it ad nauseum because usually you have one scene or sequence, but here it was half the film, supposedly the child was in peril. I felt it was also, people have pointed out, it's a very clear sequel to Spectre in a yes. way that I think yeah. maybe is the first time in, in, a, in James Bond history that two films are this closely linked. To me, again, I think that po- that's a new and for me, a bad thing, that mm-hmm. we didn't get a new Bond girl, of course, same Bond girl, yeah. played by Leia Sadu, whom I did not like in Spectre, and I sure as hell didn't like her here. Mm. And this is not really a, in any way a drag of the actress, because I just think that she had an incredibly boring part, which mostly consisted of her crying. Um, yeah. Then, of course, we have the black female 007. Yeah. And I think... I'm sure we will go into that. I mean, I felt it was a very unpleasant character. And again, I wouldn't blame the actress, although I wasn't necessarily a fan um, Mm -hmm. of Lashana Lynch. But I felt the filmmakers really went out of their way of making her unlikable. Yeah, I agree. 100% agree with you there. They did. Kind of strange, because I think, and this is true, Weird coming from me saying this because I am not politically correct and I am conservative, including in many things, including my tastes and arts. But I think it was weird how they gave us a, a black female agent and just made her so suck so hard. It was a, a decision on the filmmaker's part. You could mm. definitely have a cool black double O agent. Why did they yeah. make her horrible? They've had plenty before. Could I just interject here? I think we, we've talked Absolutely. about the role of women in films before on our podcast. We've done a whole episode about, you know, um, you know, women's portrayal and the Bechdel test and all this stuff. Um, and I think one thing I'd like to specifically say about her character, the 007, I can't even what her name is because they don't even say her name properly at any point, really, I can't remember, um, is I think they were trying to go for the old kind of old-fashioned 
70s Bond girl who kind of comes in, she acts like she's aloof and independent, and then very quickly she just does what Bond tells her to do. I think that's essentially exactly what happened to this character. They kind of set her up as this, she's this really strong, independent woman, and then almost instantly she's just like, oh, okay, James, just tell me what to do, and I'll do what you tell me to, and I'll just, I know my place now. Which I thought, as you said, is very strange, because what's the point in them setting her up to be this kind of, 21st century modern Bond girl she's 007 and then actually she doesn't have any agency whatsoever it's very very odd um, and it's just yeah and to make her unpleasant and unlikable they don't need to do that contrasting her especially with the other Bond girl who we can talk about at another point oh yes let's was, go so Nomi yeah. is her name apparently and then Nomi, we have okay. Ana de Armas uh, which I think as Paloma and this is just some films and TV shows do this and Fans never understand why. When you give us a taste of something yeah. actually good yeah. and then don't use it. So yeah. this is the Bond girl, which I think we haven't seen in any Craig film since the very first one, um, uh, Casino Royale. Yeah. And it's funny that this film starts by reminding us what an amazing Bond girl they had in Evergreen in Casino Royale. I think probably one of the best in the franchise, many will, will say, uh, with an interesting character and just a beautiful woman and who seemed really, just really awesome. Anna de Armas comes in here and she is beautiful, has a lovely dress, high heels, kicking men in the face with her yeah. high heels. Yeah. We love that. super, super hot, um, yeah smart and badass kind of witty they kind um, of try and they kind of try like obviously the feminist message here was like they try and make her look like she's ditzy which they did used to do in the old bond films they kind of have these girls who seem that they're stupid and then suddenly they're actually really smart which they kind of do here because she's like oh i've only been here for three weeks and then suddenly she's amazing which i actually think was fine i didn't mind i thought it was cool i thought she was an awesome bond girl funny enough i know you were talking about the girl you went to see it with i was speaking to my colleague who is also a bond fan and a woman and she she was saying she thought this Bond girl was awesome and she couldn't wait to see her in the rest of the film. And then the, the fact she never came back into the film was extremely bizarre. <laughs> and disappointing. Yes, I think everyone loved it. And including, and this is the point, that there just is not that kind of weird, this idea that either men or women will like something is just absurd. And yes, I think all women liked her because she looks good in the dress. She's she's witty. She's, yeah. She is actually strong. I know and what you mean with this trick. I think, I I think it would have worked much better if she had more than five minutes on screen, and yeah. you could establish her as being ditzy, and then, sh you know, then then do the twist. I don't think it really works because there's like twenty seconds before we realize that that was a ruse. You know, mm -hmm. I think it would have been much more funny had it had time to play out. Well, um, I think in I think any any in in the day of woke. I think we all knew that that was never going to, that that ruse was not real. Like no one was thinking in the audience, oh, she actually will be a stupid moron dits. Like no one was thinking that because come on, like they would never do that. They would just never have a stupid bomb girl now, would they? Even though they try so hard to make the other ones not stupid, well, but they are. Well, 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 <laughs> I think the main female lead of this film doesn't seem that smart. But can we, I know, I know, I know you're trying to sum up your stuff, right? But now we're on this. I feel like we should just have a conversation about this. Like, her character, I can't remember what her name is either. I'm terrible with names. Madeline. Madeline. So you're right. Like what's annoying about her is yeah, in the first in in Spectre, she has a bit of a role in terms of she's a psychologist, so she helps Bond and he kind of falls for her, blah, blah, blah. In this film, it's like the whole film's essentially about her. And the opening scene, which I assume you were talking about, was kind of a horror thriller element, which I thought was 
I mean, it was a fine scene, but I thought it was bizarre for a Bond film to open with it, and I didn't think it really worked. Like completely in a Bond out film. of yeah, completely out of yeah. genre. Again, I think the whole film is not a Bond film. No, and that I, opening 100%, is a horror percent I hundred percent agree with you. This is not a Bond film. Um, she basically once again they come in. She comes in. They try and ha- give her some kind of agency, like. They kind of, oh, she's betrayed Bond, but it's like, why are they trying to pretend that she's, I don't understand that whole, he thinks she's betrayed him thing. It made no sense. And then they don't talk. And then as you That said, was strange. I they... think that because the whole film, and it's a bloody two, two hours and 45 minutes, all of that hinges on him being, you bitch, you betrayed me. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I Which, didn't buy that. I why guess would you think it? I think it's meant to go back to Casino Royale with, as you said, the Eva Green character. Um, Vespa Lind I think it was meant to hark back to that like oh you know he's so damaged he can't he can't fall in love even though it's been like five five this is the fifth film since or the fourth film since that but I think and he's with... aged 30 years apparently because uh, let, let, let's go uh, I'll let you finish then uh, <laughs> I'll go back to my things <laughs> oh sorry sorry yeah but I think with her you're right with with uh, Madeline's character she basically has no real agency like uh, 007 female 007's character and then as you said, she essentially we can sum up the three women in this film as one of them is an awesome Bond girl sidekick who we all liked. The other one is a nasty. She's meant to be independent, so that means she's a bitch basically, like because that's how women are written. If she's strong, that means she has to be annoying and horrible and a bitch, which is really old fashioned and stupid. And then the third. And one, also, can I just add also yeah. because you can be annoying and horrible, and it's it's an it's a bad way to write strong women. But at least sometimes they have character. Uh, no me here the black 007 just has not a single character she had zero her character trait is she's the black female 007 like that's literally like she had no which is annoying because as you said she could have been an awesome character like there's plenty of black bond girls in the past who have been really strong and great so why can't we talk about that like even that as a token it's weird they didn't give her anything i find that in a three hour long film one of your main characters actually has not a single character trait other than being black and female, I guess. Yeah, it's it's really strange. Um, and then, yeah, as you said, with uh, Madeline's character, she goes from kind of being essentially the protagonist, at least the whole film's about her and her life, because the villain's connected to her, to becoming the stereotypical female character who is just a mother and a lover. That's it. She's his love interest and a mother and that's it she's a woman who has a child and he fancies so she's literally reduced down to that role in the kind of second half of the film doesn't really do anything apart from being kidnapped which is such an old-fashioned cliche as well and as you said the child which i don't think at any point there was any tension over what was going to happen to the child because come on like who did anyone think anything was going to happen to the child or even madeline she you know but you're right i think the way they made the child just walking around finding her way out of the yeah. super secret weapons base yeah. i think even for a james bond film is like how dumb is that yeah it was it I mean, was what is it was, it was maybe the child should be the new 007 it, well i now this is <laughs> this is the thing so for bond fans out there so just to talk about the ending right which is which is crazy which is james bond gets killed he gets blown up um that ending is basically the ending of the book you only live twice so the, the only, You Only Live Twice is essentially the last book in continuity of the James Bond series written by Ian Fleming. And that is how the, the book ends. He gets blown up on an island by a man who's crazy, Blofeld. And he does have a child. A Japanese woman has his baby, but he doesn't know she's pregnant. That's the end of the book. And um, 
but he's not dead. He wakes up and he's got amnesia and he doesn't remember anything and he's not 007 anymore, basically. So I kind of thought that's what was going to happen. I thought there'll be an explosion. He'll wake up. He'll have amnesia. That's the end of the film. But no, it's like, no, we, he's dead. And this is the thing I think we need to talk about. I don't about. think, even in a James Bond film, I don't think you can survive those kinds no, of No, he wasn't going to survive. I think everyone, <laughs> but this is the thing. The, the audience in the cinema, when I watched, had a visceral reaction to him dying. People were genuinely pissed off, I would say, and angry. And one man literally shouted out, you've got to be kidding me, because he was so furious. I think everyone in the cinema was furious because they're like, this is, as you said, not a Bond film for him to die. It doesn't make any sense. And as we've discussed before, this film got, moved back, delayed, it had loads of production problems. As we know, Danny Boyle was originally meant to be the director of this film, and the press at the time, when Danny Boyle left the film, the press at the time speculated that Danny, Danny Boyle left because he didn't want to kill Bond off. And apparently the person who wanted to kill Bond off was Daniel Craig. Now I noticed that in the opening credits, Daniel Craig is a producer credit. So I assume that this gentleman has gone mad with power, thinks he has some right to tell them how to write a story even though you know what the heck does he know about making films he's just an actor and i don't mean that in a nasty way to actors but i mean it's not like daniel craig is known for his writing or directing or anything like clint eastwood or someone like that um so daniel craig basic apparently according to the press here he didn't want anyone else to follow in his footsteps so he wanted bond to die because he he sees himself as the epitome of bond so he had to kill bond off which i think is the most arrogant narcissistic thing i've heard uh, especially coming from an actor. Um, although whether or not that's true, it might not be true. It could be a lie. But I'm just saying if that is the truth, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, and I think we have to think that if, if Danny Boyle, I mean, the director who took over has only ever made like four films before. And he's mostly known for for directing True Detective, right? Yeah. Uh, Carrie Joji Fukunaga. Yeah. And I think he's a very good director, but, and I think you will say more about this, well, yeah, I don't think there was any interesting director here. He's a very good TV director. This film is style over substance. Again, like all modern films, it looks amazing. The cinematography was amazing. I'm not going to fault it. And I do think he directed some very stylish shots that looked nice. Whether or not he's a good director, I would... I mean, mm, did he direct a good story, a good film? Once again, is it about visual narrative or is it about visuals? I would say a good director is about but visual see, narrative. Can I come in? And, uh, and it's... I mean... I, I think some of it, well, a lot of it, obviously, the visuals is taste. But I have read a lot of people praising the visual style here. I don't get it. I, I th to me, it had no style. It, I think it, both Sam Mendes' films, maybe too much, but they were certainly very clearly stylized. I didn't really feel well, this film had a I, style. The action scenes were very much Paul Greengrass-like. Mm, it's interesting you say that. I think it has style but not a style as in there's no consistent style throughout the film he chooses very random shots and very random like color grading and stuff just at random points mm. it's not like the whole film feels like a whole it feels like bits and it's interesting that we both talk about this bond girl and cuba because for me that was the only good bit in the entire film that sequence mm. was a bond sequence in a film that was not a bond film so that like 15 20 minutes in cuba where we had a kick-ass bond girl we had a villainous character who was 007 basically <laughs> the other 007 mm. and we had james bond and we had uh, you know all the other stuff that was happening i thought that was the only bit that was the, the best bit in the film it was a really cool sequence it was great i think everyone probably wanted the film to be just that the whole way through rather than what it was well and we had the story and i think let's uh, let me do my screenwriter bit i think the i mean the film has a terrible script but i <laughs> yes. want to talk about the so the story and 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 another thing and they're completely interlinked the other thing that i've mentioned this film uh 
It's a sequel to Spectre, but it's also incredibly interconnected. Mm -hmm. And I don't think this is a good thing at all with all previous Craig films. Mm -hmm. So, it starts us... And so this is where I think it gets stupid from the beginning. Okay, so first of all, it has this uh, weird intro that really looks... I feel like I've seen something similar in A, or maybe even in multiple Scandinavian kind of noir thrillers or horrors. Mm, it's yes. such an unoriginal scene, that whole thing in ice. I mean, it looks like some scanty drama thriller. Well, We've yeah. seen that a thousand times. That's yeah. not what we wanted to it, remi it reminded me um, of The Purge, actually. I don't know if you've seen The Purge, but it really... Oh, I haven't seen that, but yeah, I can imagine too, The Mask. Mm -hmm. So then... we. It reminds us of the great Bond girl, played by Eva Green, from Casino Royale. A much better Bond film. Is it a good idea to immediately compare yourself to a better Bond film? Not sure. <laughs> Brings back Felix Leiter, yeah. whom I, uh, who was, he was in Casino Royale and then in... Um, Quantum of Solace. In the Quantum of Solace, right? Yeah. Then hasn't been back. For me, casual Bond fan, I kind of vaguely remembered him. I mean, I do love Jeffrey Wright. Um, we go to Cuba and then we get, I mean, I'm sorry, the last film, I think this film, not only don't I like the fact that it's a sequel, it doesn't work at all because they don't give us a new Bond girl, but they give us a new villain who mm. I think maybe is one of the, maybe the worst villain Bond has seen. We will get to him. <laughs> but also what it does is it completely and entirely and early negates the villain Blofeld. Yes, oh my gosh. Such a pinnacle of Bond. Yes. And the entire awful. last film was building him up. That was Here, awful. his plot in Cuba fails immediately, and then he dies like a bitch in a scene as the great Armand White. I may quote from Armand White's review of uh, uh, No Time to Die a little bit later. Uh, he's a, a, a wonderful reviewer for National Review, film critic. Um, he points out that um, they make Blofeld as Hannibal Lecter as humanly possible. Yeah, it was so I actually, terrible. Actually, this film, I don't like Christoph Waltz. I actually kind of like that scene, but then he dies, and then you, I am left to wonder, why did we even have Spectre? It was building up this great organization that Bond is fighting in, like so many Bond films, but then they are all dead by the first hour of this film. Yeah, it was so To be replaced stupid. with a villain who has no backstory, no presence... Yeah. hardly any dialogue throughout the film. Yeah. I don't think we've... I've, he's barely I, in the film. I think it's... He's barely in the film. Yeah. And he is once again kind of gay, the same thing they did in Skyfall. Didn't you feel like his... I basically feel it was like a much weaker version of Javier Bardem's I didn't even, uh, I villain didn't, in Skyfall, whom I actually do like, because he was just kind of speaking through his teeth a little bit. And, I didn't even think of him and, being gay, to be honest with you. I think, as you said, he had... I just he didn't had, get this kind of running around in kimonos and stuff. He had I mean, such no offense, zero but, film a screen presence that it was hard to know anything about him. And he had no, he, he had no screen time, so he just did nothing. I think... It was bizarre. It was really... I mean, let's just... Can I just mention the villains? Like, we're talking about the villains now. The, the eyeballs falling out, to me, was really stupid. Um, and also, the whole Russian idiot moron who works in the kind of, oh, I'm a Russian fool. Like, they've done that, like, uh, repeatedly in the James Bond franchise. But this time, it seemed really ridiculous and i just like since you're mentioning another critic i actually read in the magazine called the critic um a review by jeremy black of the film he said that and i don't know if this is true but he said that one of the reasons why um it's all about england and america kind of fighting against each other um and obviously having a russian villain is because that's the only way it could get past the chinese censors because it's all about divisions in the west so 
so once again, our Hollywood industry is selling out us, our culture, an entire film franchise just so they can make money in China. What does that make you think of? <laughs> like, seriously, they're literally selling bizarre. out our values to a foreign power, which is ironically... And with, with, with the villain, strangely, I'm going to come to the film's defense. I actually thought he was quite funny. I do like David Denchik. I think he's a good actor. Uh, he's not given much to work with here, but I think he at least tries. I will also say that you call him stupid, but, I mean, he's smarter than both Blofeld and the main villain here, because at least he's a scientist, and he actually creates the evil thing, the, the COVID. It's, by the way, I think it's such... Well, he is meant to be very unfortunate smart, for yeah. this film, that it didn't come out before COVID. And by the way, I kind of feel like, imagine if this had come out just before the pandemic, as it was supposed to. Yeah. I think we would have been referring back to it throughout the entire COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. Because it's so staggeringly parallel in yeah. a way to what happened. Mm -hmm. And of course, I also think now it just kind of like, ugh, no one wants to hear about infections. No, 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 now. that's true. And also, um, yeah, it, but once again, talking about the Bond girl, like her only role really was to be kind of a moron, like Madeline, oh, I'm infected, I'm going to go and see Blofeld. Oh, wait, no, I did the wrong thing. Oh, I killed him anyway. You're like, what? <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. That was, in terms of, if, if we were to break, and we won't, but I, I mean, if we were to do like a serious script breakdown of like character arcs and stuff, that is such crap writing okay she makes she's faced with a hard choice she makes a hard decision then she's like for no apparent reason she's just like uh no nah, i'm not gonna do it anyway but then the thing happens anyway mm -hmm. it was uh, so stupid and it's like what yeah it was it was <laughs> but also blofeld dying has no impact on the film whatsoever it, so once again i think awful. spectre and you don't remember i did not like spectre no. and now i just feel it was completely redundant well, it was. because spectre actually gets wiped out in like two minutes by this again you say that he's stupid but this uh pseudo russian scientist actually kills all of spectre that's true. I guess. So, I guess when I say he's, when I say I guess he's stupid. You know what I mean. The way he's portrayed is he's an he's an idiot. Like rather than him, what he actually does. I mean, yeah, because he's and there was. I can't he's imagine annoying. you liked what happened to him. <laughs> I mean, I think it's. Uh, I mean, um, wow. What can we say about that? Moment? I actually think the weird thing is. I again, I want to say like I actually think he's the main villain the same way you know that you think uh judy dems m is the main bond girl of skyfall yes. i think if you analyze this film like yeah. he is actually the main villain yeah because no way rami malik's character is the main villain yeah. he doesn't do anything in the film yeah. and it's sure as hell isn't blofeld so i think this ridiculous uh valdo obrochev i mean with this pseudo russian names i just want to say i think i kind of think like we are past the point now including if you're politically correct which i'm not but if you are then why why is there always this kind of weird general Slavic nationality and accent where you just make up names? Like the villain is called Lucifer Safin. Mm. What the hell? There is not a nation in the world, certainly not Russia, where people are called Lucifer. Mm. Can, I mean, can I, can I just ask you a question? How are we supposed to take this seriously? Can I ask you a question sure. as a you know, Russian? Was Rami Malek's character meant to be Russian or Japanese? Or both, or neither. I, I was very confused about this because they kept saying, oh, the island's in between Russia and Japan. He was dressed in Japanese stuff, everything was Japanese, but then he was had a Russian accent. Was I the only one who was confused about this, or is it just 
Is it? You know? I, 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 this is just like he is foreign, and I think this is actually unacceptable at this point. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous because he does look like a Russian, and he doesn't look Japanese either. Safin is. Uh, uh, that is, I think, a Tatar surname. There's a, a great Russian tennis player called Marat Safin. I mean, he, I think he's stopped his career now. And he is, so, you know, he's, uh, uh, eth- this is a bit of Russian history here. Russia is a multicultural, multi-ethnic uh, country with various religions, with many languages. So Russians aren't all white, basically. But you can still be a Russian the way that, I mean, you know, you can be an American no matter what your skin color is. So I th- he could pass off maybe as a Tatar, but, you know, they're not called Lucifer. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think this is, in many ways, just... Um, it shows the crisis of masculinity in the West. Uh, you must kill... Bond must die, because you can't really have a wealthy, middle-aged white man saving the world. Mm-hmm. And yet, the whole film shows how... Everyone is desperately dependent on this white man, right? Because the black 007 agent can't really do shit. Um, The woman whom Bond loves can't really do shit. Um, Well, it seems like M as well can't do anything either. M is incompetent. Everyone in in, MI6 is incompetent. Every single person in the film is incompetent, basically, except for the person you're saying, the Russian villain. (laughs) Yeah, the, 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 this Russian scientist and Bo- and I guess Leiter. I mean, I do. Uh, uh, I think also I do like Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, but a he's lot. still incompetent because he, he has a mole working for him. I guess yeah, he does trust the the wrong person uh, who really looks evil too. Uh, so yeah, that was silly. Uh, I think this is interesting, and and there is some kind of weird, wounded British pride going on here because to me also the ending was. It was laughable. It, it makes it very geopolitical. I don't know why. I don't think this fits Bond style. So I think this is kind of a weird crisis of everything British. And, and, and it tries to do the woke things and all of them fail. Uh, as Armand Whites puts it, I think he, he says that... Um, uh, I mean, he goes th- through it all because really... Uh, they do kind of try to tick the boxes and fail. I'd just like to say, for me to sum the whole film up, I think... It's a, once again, it's style over substance. It shows you can't write good characters. You can't have good characters on screen. It's killing a franchise that was meant to be about being fun, not about being serious, not about being political, not about educating people, right? It's just meant to be a fun film series. That's why people love it. And you've just destroyed it because you want to try and, you know, shove wokeness into it. And I think really the film just sums up this current, what's happening at the moment in the world, which is conserve versus destroy. I think this film is an attack on England. It's an attack on the James Bond film series. It's an attack on the audience. It's an attack on our Western culture. And it's an attack on our values. It's literally an attack on everything. I think when I left the cinema, I thought the first third was okay and the second third was terrible and boring. Then I got more and more progressively angry because I realised actually it's an attack i was attacked by this film they're trying to attack me they're attacking what i love which is james bond they're attacking everything about our culture basically and as you just said very you know you pointed out yeah like england has a lot of problems because we've destroyed ourselves but um why should they destroy our fantasy as well as the reality they've destroyed everything and they're, and they're doing it. They're rampaging through the West. And I don't want to be too downer on this, but I do feel like this film, like many other films, is basically showing that the people who are making these films, the people in power, um, they hate us and they, they hate everything that we love. <laughs> is, that, is that too harsh? <laughs>
No, I don't think so. <laughs> these things, unfortunately, they're always linked. Uh, we got these great things, the franchises, James Bond, when the West was in ascendance. Now the West is so obviously in decline. And of yeah. course, it is reflected in the culture. Yeah. And I think we got, I mean, it's a moody film. It's a dour film. I wonder, I mean, you know, I do think, I thought the film, I just thought it was a mediocre film terrible ending yeah. when you know with bond dying it was emotional even for me not as a bond fan because yes i think it's a kind of it's a weird self-inflicted wound i mean it's it's a it's an auto castration of the west yeah. isn't it yeah really it sums yeah up let's kill world. ourselves i think it sums up the modern world. i really do i think it just sums up everything and it's it's super depressing it's not about being triumphant and overcoming odd the whole point of james bond yes he wasn't particularly a nice character but it was all about good versus evil i think now it's just evil's one basically that's what they're saying um you know it's 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 depressing it's very dark and it's just horrible and there's no triumph anymore there's no kind of happiness happy ending it's just we have to accept i don't that. think that ending worked at all i mean no. i think you know with with a, a madeline telling her daughter the story no. of james bond i thought that was very weird but it wasn't uplifting and of course i mean jonathan i know you want to wrap it up and we should but we need to we must ask this question because we talked about it half a year ago but now boy is this question ever more relevant yeah. uh than before where does James Bond go from here? I mean, is this the end of James Bond? Uh, I, Do they well, I'm going to be very, reboot it? I'm going to be very quick with this answer. Amazon bought MGM. Amazon now own the rights to James Bond. So it can go two ways. It's either they're going to reboot it and bring us a crappy version or a really good version, or they will bring a new bond as in they'll have a different character so it's either going to go well that's three ways really but you know what i'm saying i think if amazon was smart and they knew their audience they would just go back to how bond was and make it really they could they could they have the opportunity now to make an amazing film series again that's their choice so we'll see what they do but i think that would be i imagine if to if you are to reboot it reboot it like proper from scratch reboot with all the all new actors right i mean and you am and you everything yeah and um, i i would think and to me one thing was very clear action even aside from the politics and the quality of the filmmaking both of which i think are very sorry um here um enough with the negativity and the dourness i think if james bond is to come back i want fun style sexiness less visceral gory action mm -hmm. i really think stop doing this dark knight jason Bourne, whatever i mean let's have fun this this film was really not fun no in any way no. even i think compared to previous uh craig bond films which haven't really been that much fun i think yeah. in general no i think casino um, royal was the only one that was fun and that was it but yeah, I mean, uh, we, we, which of course was directed by Martin Campbell, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but we okay. Very quick question to for here in the end. Yeah. Was this the worst Bond ever? Hmm. Well, I didn't think anything could get worse than uh, Diamonds Are Forever or Skyfall. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> I think without the ending, it probably wasn't the worst. But I think including the ending, yeah, it probably is the worst. To be honest with you. <laughs> Do you think it's the worst of the Craig ones? Mm, I hate Skyfall, as you know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, let's just say yes, because who? how can you go back from killing him off? I mean, really, there's no there's no redemption for that, really, is there? <laughs> it's, like, it's just no way back from it. You've done something unspeakable. 
like awful. It's funny how we 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 see so much eye to eye on this and differ so much in Skyfall because I do still really like Skyfall, but I also think this was a weird retreading of Skyfall, yeah, but much worse. They tried a, a, a retreading of Spectre, yeah, but much worse. Well, and yeah, just was, depressing. Said, Let's hope there was for a good twenty minutes in it, and that was it. And that, if that moment had been the whole film, we would have loved it. We would have been raving about it. We would have been saying it was such a great film. And it would have been a fun film. It would have been a great film. It would have had a strong women, strong female character. It would have had a good bond. It would have had good action scenes. But unfortunately, they decided not to do that. So that's, that's all I can say. Um, but, you know, what can we say? I feel like we're going to get criticized heavily for this, Dimitri. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Please, listeners, uh, let's have that feedback for this because I know it's a polarizing film. I actually think many, many people agree with us. But I think also them firing... Uh, uh, Danny, uh, Danny, Danny Boyle, Boyle at yeah. the last minute, which delayed the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, that would be, and and of course hiring a yes man director. I mean, I do respect Fukunaga, but a TV director doing Bond, we know that he was, you know, well, yeah, he did what he was told to do. Exactly. That's but that's the modern way. I know that because I work in the industry and I see it every day. Um, but anyway, so it was great to speak to you again, <laughs> Dimitri. Um, it was really fun to talk about this film, the much delayed film. We've finally got round to it, and I think it's probably the first one we've done, which we just talked about one film. So that's interesting. Um, but we will be back, won't we, soon? Uh, maybe a little bit well, less regular. And, uh, we must talk about more positive things yes, next time. Exactly. Uh, just like just like the Bond franchise, uh, let us focus on the positives. And there's so many good films to to talk about, and certainly ma- many better films than No Time to Die. But um, exactly. But it was great to be back. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Please do subscribe to us if you can. Please uh, maybe nudge a friend, tell a friend or two about our podcast if you enjoy it. Yeah. Um, we would love to. We do have listeners all over the world, but not nearly as many as we would like. <laughs> and we would love your help in spreading the good message. Thank you. Yes, and we'll, we'll, you'll hear us again soon. Goodbye. <laughs>